Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Bonjour, mon nom est David Hanrotti et il n'y a aura pas de rappel. Welcome to episode 165 of the No Encore Music Podcast. <laughs> what the hell was that? I feel sick. <laughs> I went to France for 24 hours. <laughs> Welcome back. Salut. It hasn't changed you. That's definitely not my, it's not a French accent at all, is it? Uh, it the trip did change me though, irreparably. Really? I On a, like, I've, existential level? <laughs> I really fucked myself up. Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello! Dahio Droni. Hello, how are you? This is No Encore. My name, as I noted in French at the start of the show, terribly, is David Hanready. This is No Encore. Welcome to the show. we got a packed episode this week, lads, before we all break up for a while, kind of. Because mm, yeah. Dahi's not here next week. We're mm. not here the week after. Globetrotting again. It's all happening. Yeah. yeah. So, on this show, we'll be reviewing the brand new album from The National which is out now as of this podcast dropping. And we'll be talking about some collaborative songs and lots of news and various other things as be well. Great. So let's start off. Let's keep it French, guys. Um, I went to France. <laughs> yeah, saw a band. Yeah, I went to France to see a band. Nothing um, else happened. <laughs> nothing else matters, Craig. <laughs> because that's right, I went to see Metallica on the World Wired Tour ahead of their slain headliner next month, first week of June. First weekend of June? Second weekend of June, when we come back from Colm's Big Bash. Uh, Slain will be a bigger bash, though, I think. As was this. It was in the Stade de France. Oh, shit. Yeah. Very nice. Big day. Solid. Yeah, 76,000 people. Really? Wow. Mm. 
So I went over with a with a gaggle of people, and I must say at the top of this, you know, like uh, thank you very much to Rory Murphy from MCD for bringing me over because yeah. that was a sound thing of them to do. Well, you went over with um, Radio Nova royalty. I did indeed, uh, Marty and D from indeed. Breakfast and Afternoons, and they've been all over the schedule. <laughs> they are Radio Nova. They yeah. are. Yeah. They were in the party, as was a journalist from the Sunday World called Eddie Rowley. Eddie Rowley. Eddie Rowley. Okay. Eddie Rock and Rowley, I believe, is how he's known. Um, he was a nice. Was enemies or <laughs> possibly yes, yeah. sound fellow though. Uh, yeah, so good crew. That's always nice when you go on these rare jaunts to have yeah. a nice kind of party with you. So we went over, we were really up against it. It was like, you know, we're going over, we don't quite know what we're doing. We know we weren't going to get time with the band, sadly. Um, but we got a tour of like the stage and the stadium beforehand. So we're on the fucking stage. They brought us onto the stage, this oh, yeah. massive thing, as the first wave of fans are filing in. And as that is happening at like half four in the afternoon, um, Lars Ulrich emerges from like the bells of the stadium and is doing some camera work with his cameraman. Okay, and none of the fans who have filed in, who are like up the front getting their spot, have seen this. He's like right behind them, oh. and they don't see it. Wow! And then the next wave of fans came in, did see it, and started like yelling at him. And he's all like, "Yeah, whatever." So all <laughs> kinds of weird stuff happened. I guess uh, ask me some questions. I don't know. Okay, well, uh, you said you were kind of on the stage and stuff. Do do Metallica go in for the U two extravagant like huge set design thing? Massively, yeah. Oh. The stage <laughs> takes thirty six hours to set up. Which it's is not a lot trash of time. metal. <laughs> big stage, big screens. Uh, there's the thing called the snake pit, which is yeah, of course there is. So the, <laughs> so the stage, which is fucking huge as it is, right? Like has a, has a couple of walkways, these big ramps that go down and go up and around. And I, I walked around the whole thing, and I nearly tripped and fell, which was actually a bit of foreshadowing for what happened to me later that night. Okay. We'll, we'll get oh. there. Um, so yeah, and in the middle of it, there's this kind of square box. It's a, it's a pit basically. It's, it's, it's fairly well. Oh, so like they don't have a section where they're like, okay, we're going to go into some like deep cuts for Master of Puppets, and then they unleash snakes into the snake pit, and they're like, this is for the true hardcore. Woo! No, that would be mass murder. <laughs> Thankfully, that didn't happen. So no, that's for the, the hardcore fans. See, the, okay, so here's the weird thing about Metallica. I mean, like, okay, how do we generally feel about them in general like what's your take on them? Um, positive since the last album which I thought was a bit of a return to form and they have a kind of fond of a definite fondness for them loved them as a teen um, yeah good good things they're even when they're bad they're enjoyably ridiculously bad yeah I, I never fully got into them when they were the biggest thing in the world Um also, I think the best thing that they've ever done is the documentary, <laughs> and I think that's that's about it. It is an amazing um, documentary. So, yeah, I think I, I, I came out of that with a newfound kind of respect for kind of who they are and what they are, you know? And that was about 15, 16 years ago. So yes. now, I mean, they're headlining Slane, which is, you know, like Slane's such an old school thing. It's clearly for a legacy thing they're doing this for, and they're packing in these massive stadiums across the world. And... Like the fans I mentioned who got in there first as the stadium is kind of opening up, uh, as the likes of, by the way, of like Losing My Religion by OREM and Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis are blaring over the speakers. And I was like, is that, is that right? Is that That's work? totally fucking Lars. Isn't he massively into Oasis? And oh, he's like big friends with 90s believe, rock yeah. as well. Yeah. I will say as well, just to uh, sidetrack myself yet again, walking into the stadium, man, there is so many security with like massive machine guns just casually walking yeah, around. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know. Europe is like that. I mean, fair enough. You know, serious security in place. But like, so the fans that came in first, right? They are exclusive fans. They're, they they picked up one of the quote-unquote enhanced experience packages that you can get. There's like three or four... <laughs> there's like three or four different tiered experiences that you can get. So uh, apart from your bog standard ticket, which I presume costs around 80 to 100 euro, you got to think, right? <laughs> so the top one, right? I won't give you them all. I'll give you the top one. It's called the Dream No More Experience. Okay. 
Uh, there was also the wherever I may roam black oh ticket and the all night all nightmare long experience. But the dream They're having no fun with it, which is good. Yeah, you know. fun. Yeah, branding. Uh, the dream no more experience. You'll you'll appreciate this, Greg. Of course, I'm loving this. Come on. <laughs> What you get for for your Dream No More package is one, brackets, one. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you wrote like one, two, three. One is one, playing in my one, head. <laughs> hundred. General admission ticket to the Snake Pit, a viewing area right in front of the stage. Dedicated venue entrance, hang with members of the uh, band. Sorry, yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, hold up now. Let's pause for a second. A dedicated venue entrance. You get your own so entrance, basically, yeah. you get a door quickly. that you yeah, can door, go through. Yeah. Okay, yeah. keep going. Hang uh, with the band. Hang with the band <laughs> backstage before the show. That's... Uh, Number That's three on the list. Definitely not what it actually is. <laughs> yeah, though, I wonder what. Did you manage to see any of these uh, hanging with the band people? No, I was off in the friends and family bar. More on that later. Was the uh, hanging with the band just Lars in the distance waving? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. because they have they have footage. Like because they do this thing as well. Like this whole thing is such a machine. They've outdone Kiss to such a fucking degree here. Like this is so corporate. It's so brand. It's insane. And they do a thing after each of these shows where it's thank you Paris, and it's like a three minute YouTube video. Lars is in the video doing his thing, and it's just like. Shots of the fans, uh, some kind of like uh, symphony music playing, and you do see at one stage you see like Headfield backstage like slapping a fan's hand and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's you know it's, it's like get bullseye the fan up here. It's like, it's like the ending of bullseye. It's like look look what you could have won. Yeah. You got to take in this package. So yeah, hang out with the hang out with the band. Uh, professional photograph taken of you with the full band. Professional. One brackets one show specific autograph set list. Access to the sanitarium rubber room lounge. <laughs> Featuring ah, two rubber room lounge. Featuring two brackets two drink tickets at the cash bar. I can't believe they're referencing a song that's supposed to be dark as fuck and about mel- mental illness, and it's just like oh the sanitarium at the cash bar as well. I mean, like that's usually a bad thing if a bar is just cash. You also get dinner at the Spit Out the Bone Buffet. <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> Experience the updated Memory Remains touring exhibition, showcasing the band's own personally chosen collection of memorabilia. Yes, that is right. They have an on-site museum. Wow, so they bring a museum with them yep. wherever they go. You also get one show-specific poster, one Metallica tour t-shirt. One is still playing in my head. <laughs> Metallica tour t-shirt chosen by you, priority merchandise shopping, and dedicated on-site staff. And that package costs you two thousand one hundred and ninety nine euro. <laughs> yeah, well, Jesus. you know what? You can't download that on Napster, mate. All right. Yeah. So, and I guess it's sold out. Um, I was given uh, pretty much all of that, minus a t shirt, a poster, and hanging with, hanging the, band. with the band. Yeah, and which it, are the best. Hold on, you had like, a dedicated entrance, did you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, I, did I, you I go had, to the rubber room? No, I, 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 didn't, oh, I didn't. I didn't go to the. Sp- <laughs> I also didn't go to the Spit Out the Bone Buffet, despite having a ticket to do so. I would um, expect you to be a Spit Out the Bone Buffet kind of a guy. Like yeah, a uh, friend of the show, uh, and, and no popcorn co-host, why, am I, why do I keep doing this? David Higgins <laughs> is really annoyed with me that I didn't go to the Spit Out the Bone Buffet. Yeah. We were on such a fucking tight schedule. Like We went there, we got the tour, and then we, we left to go to the hotel and get some grub and then came back. Like We got back barely on time. But we're, hold on, there was a buffet! <laughs> we were in like Parisian traffic as the, all the lights kept going red for ages, and I was like, I think they're on stage now. This is bad. But we got in, literally walked into the stadium as the Ecstasy of Gold was playing and I was like we've done it somehow I can't believe it but yeah so all this kind of sidebar stuff I went to the Metallica Museum and they have a drum kit that you're not allowed to play but did not stop Marty Miller who was told off by a security guard for doing so (laughs) you're making Lars look bad (laughs) (laughs) they have guitars uh, that you can pick up and play all kinds of memorabilia from around the thing I mean like fans were like absolutely loving this but there's just a weird sense of just disconnect and like this is weird. Like this yeah. is strange. This is I, d- I don't know. Have they forgotten about their roots? <laughs> um, the Bay Area. Well, you they know, haven't. Blue collar. <laughs> they haven't forgotten their roots, Greg. I'm glad you asked. 
Because during the show, when Moth into Flame, which I'm obsessed with, that's a good song, came on, I was kind of no Halo around. on fire, but I was hanging around the general area, having gone to the Snake Pit, um, and I, I was watching Moth into Flame, and I, I, I did a thing like I'd had a quite a number of free drinks at this point, so I was you know feeling a bit loose, professional. So I took a video. <laughs> I was that guy for a second. I figured like at these gigs, taking a video wasn't the worst thing. I took a big video of like this to send to my friend, who's a big fan of that song. I wanted to just get to the chorus, so I did that, and I, as I'm doing this. The person behind me clearly wasn't enjoying this because someone blew out an entire cigarette, like unfurling <gasps> of smoke into the back of my head. It's the most French thing I've ever experienced in my right. entire life. And I was like, Granny, yeah, cool, no worries, mate, I'll put it away. But meanwhile, this bloke comes over and he's got a Metallica t-shirt on. He's carrying a bag full of Metallica merch, including the tour poster. So I assume he's paid for one of these yeah. big packages. He's been to the rubber room. He introduces himself. His name is Benoit. He's like, he's do you want to come to the, the rubber, rubber room? room with me? He's, still, he's still wet for the rubber room. Ue, Ue le sanitary and rubber room. <laughs> he uh, informs me. That he, he He's really excited and he's agitated. And he's like, look, look, look at the guitar. Look at James's guitar. And I was like, yeah, I can see it, buddy. And then he was like, no, no, look, look, the wood, the wood, the wood on the guitar. And I was like, I don't, I don't follow. Also, I'm trying to tune into this song, please. Uh, and basically, he was like, he informed me that the wood on James Hetfield's guitar it was made out of beehives or something. Was taken from a original rehearsal space that they had during their breakthrough years. So they have not forgotten their Keeps roots. Keep them grounded. And I keep them grounded. I, I had to tell this man. I was like, I'll be with you in two minutes. I was like, I was like, I'm just enjoying this song. Chat to him afterwards. He asked what I was doing. I explained because I had, I had like a big lanyard on it mm. with my face on it. And the word nice. prod for production for production, but as someone who please was, tell me you still have that, please I still have it. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. As someone who uh, was born on the twelfth of July and mi- <laughs> and middle name is William, this was not That's the fucking title of your memoir. Born on the twelfth of July. This was, this was not what I needed to happen. So he was curious as to why I was a prod, and I explained, and basically. Uh, he he was very excitable and he, he I told him I was like oh like you know I'm going to write a review of this year I was like oh like I'm going to put you in a man blah 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 he took a photograph of like my Twitter account which I got up on my phone because he wanted to know how he could contact me and at which point you know I was like cool so I'm, I'm going to hear from this guy obviously anyway <laughs> Can't wait. Our, our, time was, our, our time was up together and I was trying to go and he, uh, we embraced, you know, it was not, I mean, we, we made friends, you know, we, like we found each other. So I gave him like, the, you know, the slap hand, the ultimate nod of respect, but it wasn't enough for this guy. So he had to impart some French custom upon me and he uh, leaned in and gave me a big old kiss on the cheek. Oh, beautiful. Very nice. Then he instantly looked quite bashful about this and he panicked and said, I kiss you. <laughs> and then he goes while shrugging, I kiss girls too. <laughs> So nonchalant. So I, so I would know that he, this man's a Casanova. Um, How I, did you respond to that? Yeah, I like kind of said, "That's okay, man. <laughs> that's, that's, okay. <laughs> that's all good." But in my head, I, I thought, "I love you, Benoit." <laughs> I I we will, all have fallen a bit all in love with Benoit. Benoit I will never forget. <laughs> then I went off in the direction of a VIP bar. I got a bit lost. Couldn't get out of there. Uh, I tried to order in English. Uh, they weren't happy about that. Um, I tried to pay. Turns out you don't pay. They weren't happy about that either. Got free bar? Free bar. Uh, dude, it was just nuts. Uh, I, should, I mentioned the friends and family bar earlier on. There's a guy who worked in there called Justin. This very cool English dude, silver-haired, older fella, tattoos all over. Looks like he should be in like some kind of new wave band or, or some kind of bros revival. And <laughs> that's where I bros was... have revived themselves. It's grand. <laughs> I was helping myself to many a can of uh, Enter Night, Metallica's 5.7% Pilsner. Ooh. Jeez. Enter nice. Christ. Yeah. What's the hangover like from that? We'll not, get to it. We'll not get. great. We'll get there, yeah. So the whole thing was, an ep- was a toing and froing exercise in which Metallica just happened to be there as <laughs> I stalked around the stadium in an increasing state of disarray. Was it good? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a question that should be asked 10 minutes into the review. <laughs> it was good. I mean, it's a Metallica gig. I mean, like, like, like they, they have a certain thing. It's like a U2 gig. Like, you know what you're getting. You're going right, okay. to get some classic songs. You're going to get some new stuff off the album. At least they played the good stuff. Um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, like, so we're in the snake pit at one stage, and like, you're looking up, and there's like Rob Trujillo doing his crab walk, like slapping down into the crowd. Kirk Hammett, who's got very silver hair these days, and was walking like a motorcycle jacket going for it. Uh, Lara's having a great time. I mean, like, Metallica, for me, they're one of those bands where, like, I, I like them. Like, like Marty from Nova seems to be under the impression that I'm, I'm this huge super fan. I'm not. Like, they're fine. had tattoos. Yeah, it totally is. Probably is, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, like, I look like your average Metallica fan, I guess. Um, so, you know, 2,200 euro concert ticket in hand. So, yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was a good time. I mean, like, it's a stadium gig, though, you know? So, like, it's gonna, like, it, it, it's, they, they can do it, and the crowd enjoyed it, even though they were quite polite. Yeah. Um, it was fine, but I, I got buckled though, you know, because I was just like, "Fuck it!" Like all in. It was cool to come out of the snake pit and like walk, you know, across the kind of bow where on your left you have super fans up the front going nuts, and on your right you've got an army of terrifying looking bouncers who do not want you to stop and take a photograph, which I did, <laughs> and that was cool. That made it feel like you know, like oh, I'm I'm, I'm here, I'm part of the whole thing. You know, yeah. uh, in the snake pit, view was great, sound was a bit muddy. Um, yeah, it was grand. I mean, like at the end of the night, I my phone went dead. And I got lost. I went to the other side of the stadium by accident and I got completely lost. And I was like, I have no idea where I am or how to contact anybody. What the fuck am I going to do? Step forward, a Parisian angel by the name (laughs) of Claire. And Claire, (laughs) if you're listening, I assure you there are times in my life when I'm not a complete wreck of a human being. (laughs) And I think we should go for coffee. So anyway, she saved me, man. She like she like knew the building. She was like this cool gal who just kept like opening up different doors with different key cards, and everyone behind them knew different her. Key so cards. Was she, was she a hacker? Where or did she work for she the stadium? She works for the stadium. Sorry, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, okay. or maybe she's some kind of fixer. I don't know. Um, so basically, <laughs> this sounds like a really rubbish film that Metallica might soundtrack and release in cinemas, where like the whole That's narrative so is yeah, just yeah. like Claire I, getting you through the, yeah, the like a, a narrative between each of the songs yeah. or whatever. I like. told this story to a friend of the show, Andrea Cleary, and she said, "Did you get her number?" And I said no my phone was dead it would never have worked Andre said <laughs> and also you were a drunk man being led I was an apologetic panicky drunk man <laughs> I don't and know if you'd be up to a long distance relationship either if I'm being honest like, what's know, that mean of, where's that what? I mean, tra- like I mean travelling over to France was enough of a thing like you know yeah it was like I had to drive you to the airport <laughs> you could make it work Dave I believe in you I can get to an airport <laughs> sorry if a long distance relationship hinged on me getting to an airport I would get to the airport so let's talk about your trip home uh, in just a second I will the last thing I want to say is that Dre did note Dre did note that um, uh, she would have written it down on like a napkin in lipstick and like given it a kiss and I'm like I don't know what happened anyway shouts to Claire thanks for getting back to my mates thanks left Claire left the place went to go back to the hotel tried to flag down a cab walked down the side of this kind of hillock kind of thing situation and it's kind of the last thing I remember because I went over on my foot as one does in like indoor football where you just go completely over and you fuck yourself up badly and I don't remember the rest of the night but I do remember waking up the next morning and being unable to put any weight on my foot whatsoever, being in extreme pain, having a shower on one foot, and having to drag my foot around like I was fucking Kaiser Soze. So hold on, at the end of these are suspects. <laughs> you started this anecdote with like it's good to have uh, having a great crew that you get on really well with. Were you with any of these people? Yeah, once yeah. The started. I think Where they, were Dee and Marty? I'm pretty sure they brought me back and like sorted me out. Oh, but okay. like, and the next day I had the fear. I was like, oh my god, did I do that? And horrible. Because I woke up and like my phone has like paint ripped off. I don't know how that happened. And my glasses case was like shattered. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> 
<laughs> so, like, so you didn't make it to Jim Morrison's grave, like no, you were I did not. Bigging up the night before. A couple of the guys went for a walk there. I I went to a uh, Parisian pharmacy where I got some. <laughs> where I hastily got some. Do they like the pills in the shape of croissants? And, uh, <laughs> I got some extreme neurofen into my system, and then we went. We went to leave. It was a very nice day. Uh, went to get the flight home, and wouldn't you know it? Air France had booked, overbooked my flight by one person. Guess who that one person was? Yours truly. It was. Amazing. And I had to spend six hours in Charles de Gaulle Airport while everyone else went it's home. It's a fine airport, though. People hate it. Do they? It was okay. They had arcade machines and shit. Um, I did watch Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Are we doing it? I think we have to. We have to do it. We have to. All right. Hit the music. So I'm watching Game of Thrones in the airport, which is about an hour and 20 minutes long, as my laptop battery is ticking down, and I've got no way of charging because I've got no European adapter. <laughs> you get to, like, fucking Clegane Bowl, and we'll get to that, <laughs> as I'm, like, 7% battery, and I'm like, can you just... I need to finish the episode. So you were hoping that they would rush through some plot points bits, <laughs> were you? <laughs> yeah, I was, and thankfully, they did. Craig, take it away. Fantastic. You've been defending the show to the hilt. Have I? A little bit, yeah. I yeah, you know, have. You've been kind of like, oh, it's still no, fun, I think I've been it, doing, I, I would still say it's still fun. I've been doing Resigned. I'm just enjoying it. It's Thank trash you. Yeah. TV. I'm the same. I thought... I've been saying every week it's trash TV. I thought this would have worked if they had another two seasons where they actually had characters developing and their yeah, actions yeah. in this making sense. So, like, as a kind of ultimate end for a lot of these characters, I was like, yeah, I can see that. And I actually enjoyed some of the bits of it, but I was just like, you it's haven't earned so any fast. of it's this. It's just way, way too fast. And, like, I mean, I think one of the more obvious things as well is that, like, that dragon needs to be nerfed, right? Like, it's just, like, the most <laughs> Can insane. you explain what nerfed is? <laughs> for the audience. Uh, if you're in video games who, and who there's don't an play over- games. Sorry, yeah. If you're in video games and there's an overpowered weapon, they like send a title update to your video game so that your weapon gets worse yeah. or whatever they do it with like Tekken and stuff as well with fighters and stuff <laughs> but fuck me that dragon like what unbelievable like, missiles knocking fire. entire like <laughs> castle walls down like why didn't she just as soon as the dragon grew up just flew straight there oh, and just did it like what a mental idea I know like, I thought in terms of like uh, like technical aspects like in terms of how it was shot how the acting was, it was gorgeous like, yeah. it looked amazing the, I thought the acting was fantastic I mean yeah. I, I must it's say it's been great all season I think they've been doing a really good job of you know doing the best with what they have yeah sheds to yeah. I thought Lena Headey in particular I thought her last moments of Cersei were fantastic and I've seen yeah. a lot of people be like oh that wasn't enough she needed to be like horribly murdered and no. I'm like I don't need to see a pregnant woman get disemboweled no matter how horrible she is also yeah I just thought, just crush her with rocks but I was like no I thought that was a fitting end it was like a pathetic end to her character unseen yeah. and in which yeah. she finally the mask finally breaks and she fucking balls her eyes like crying and it was sold fantastically by the actor Jamie turning around and being like I don't care about the people mate <laughs> Yeah, that was the that was the best Sorry? scene in it until that line. I'm just like, what? These showrunners don't understand their characters whatsoever. It's but, but bizarre. The, the thing about Cersei though is that, like, I mean, before this, I mean, what has she done this season? She's stood Nothing. at windows yeah, drinking wine. Out, yeah. Like, I paid five hundred grand an episode to do so. Fair <laughs> fucking play. To that's her. crazy. Like, uh, yeah, like individual moments were fine. I thought the Hound Mountain thing was fucking hilariously I, terrible. I know, but is, it was... is the horse Bran? Is the question? I don't care. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't care less. Uh, no, no, it, it, dude, it's she's death it's a pale horse man <laughs> I mean like it's just dumb like it's so dumb and I love the sh- I love how bad the showrunners have got I'm sorry you're on fucking Greyjoy oh, doing when a fucking, I saw him on that beach doing a fucking piece to camera <laughs> 
by the way, by the way, that wasn't in the script. I he know. refused to die on camera. I was like, no, no, my character would do this. And I'm they're like, yeah, open. do it, man. Fucking I really, fuck you, dude. <laughs> uh, also, at the very start of the episode, I love uh, how Varus goes from probably, probably, probably yeah. the smartest guy in the entire show's history. To like, come on, man. You know you want to. Let's kill her. <laughs> Sup, John. Treason, lol. <laughs> Instantly killed. Great job. All John does now is just go, she's my queen, and then be disappointed with everything happening around him. But like, I mean, <laughs> like, there's, there's one more episode left. Like, how in the name of God are you going to get any... There's going to be absolute war after this. I mean, it's already happening. Week on week, the, the war has gotten bigger and bigger, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. I, which I find amazing. And it's like, Everyone has turned on the show so hard. It's like the show itself has been fucking red wedding. Like it's, it's amazing. Un- it's actually gotten to an incredible <laughs> point. I don't think another show has had this level of because backlash. I don't think another show has has had, had this, uh, has had social media, social media in tandem with it and has yeah. been a big event. I think if Lost was was around now, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. it might. Or like you know, presumably something like I don't know, like NYPD Blue season. But, one. Uh, but the difference between this and <laughs> Lost yeah. is that like the interest on Lost like started waning like a couple of seasons before yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is just abrupt. ramped and ramped yeah. and ramped and ramped, and now it's just an abrupt drop off. Like the inside the episode clip that went so up funny. of the two so showrunners yeah yeah but it had more it had twice as many thumbs down as thumbs ups <laughs> on YouTube which is just unheard of it had like ca- 80,000 thumbs down have you down. seen the cast doing various there's a compilation oh, of the that's cast really, yeah, I love and it. they're all like you know Trying, oh yeah. did you it's enjoy like, the so last are season are you happy how your character is like uh, Kit Harrington described this described the one season in one word. Uh, disappointing. <laughs> or then, epic, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Dinklage with his like, you know, like it's like that's it. Like just say what we want. Like it's yeah, a gun yeah. They're to the, back the best of his head. writers in television. Uh, uh, the guy who played Varus just being like, Yeah, I think I think we can all agree that like, he seemed crestfallen in that EW he really interview. Was, yeah, yeah. It's um, been a colossal mess, but like my contention as it has been all along is that it's been a bit of a mess for a long time. Uh, I'm not one of these the books are sacred test text type people, but I think once they moved away from the books, uh, Benny and Moise have been totally exposed as hacks and they can go and fuck off to the Star Wars universe because I have no interest in that either and that's five minutes <laughs> woo <laughs> uh, one last thing I will say to shout out further French detail uh, two French guys from France Daft Punk on the day that this podcast <laughs> drops it is in fact the birthday of Random Access Memories Ram Day uh, happy Ram Day guys your favourite album turning six years old uh, also marking the one year anniversary or the one year I should say in total of uh, a stream of abuse of consistent <laughs> abuse that I have received from Joe Readers and random people on the internet who have discovered an article I wrote a year ago entitled Five Years Ago Daft Punk released the worst album in their career. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of a bit adorable now though because it's kind of like oh people are still reading it. Isn't yeah, that it's great. You must on, love like, it. This is the one. I thought it'd be the Stripes event. Like, like, like that's the thing. There's something weird. Well, the Stripes obviously don't have the international, international cachet, thing, yeah. but there's something weird going on with that article where people are discovering it, it constantly. However, up. it's been indexed on searches or whatever. It it's great. Up. I love it. The funniest one this week was like some bloke who just like added me on Twitter with the link and went, uh, yo, I just found this. So I'm probably a bit late. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, could I let it go? But no. I'm I'd sorry. be replying. I'd be replying by I, now. I've never like, replied to hey, anyone. Hey, buddy. I've never replied to anybody. Not one. <laughs> I'm just letting them have their little fucking problem. If they want to think a Trash Fire is a good album, it ain't. <laughs> Speaking of Trash Fire, no Popcorn Episode 5, not a Trash Fire, but talking about <laughs> About the trash fire. Is that Queen of the Damned. and I discuss Queen of the Damned, and also Avengers Endgame. Three weeks later, why not? Mm. Go listen to that. It's in your podcast feed. If you subscribe to No Encore, Craig, as our resident newsman, it's time for the news. Um, yeah, let's kick off with Drake, and he's taking MTV Cribs to new heights. Drake has unveiled a brand new, fully personalized private jet. Have you guys seen the clip of him doing the kind of crib stuff? I have. Yeah. yeah um, 
quite audacious. It's full drape. The outside of the, the, the plane looks lovely. It the, does. Oh, he's got the full detail. He's yeah. got the OVO logo. He's got his kind of like peace. Peace like, signs up yeah, on the top. signs on um, it, all yeah. over it. Uh, yeah, he gave fans a tour of the Boeing 767, uh, which features a range of plush sofas and the phrase Air Drake printed on the engines. Um, he says in the clip, no rental, no timeshare, no co-owners, which people are saying is a dig at, of course, Kanye and Kim because they just charter flights apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just charter flight But I guess the new story in this Aside from Drake being Drake Has been that Even in his lyrics previously He's kind of expressed Something of a conscience In terms of um, climate change And global warming People are kind of coming out And saying Hold on mate You can't have both Yeah you are hiding A carbon footprint oh. <laughs> oh, How many hours have you been Sitting on that one before <laughs> It was all of my day do you, re- do you reckon I would have got out Of the airport quicker in this Or <laughs> I think you might have Yeah um, I actually did a bit of digging because he's talking about owning this plane and having no co-owners um, and it turns out that he does in fact have a, co- a co-owner he doesn't really own it at all um, <laughs> so according to an article on simplyflying.com um, <laughs> if you wanted to buy one of these um, so Drake himself is valued at $140 million um, a customised plane like this would cost much more than that. No fucking um, way. And even like a second hand one would be over a hundred apparently. So it turns out this is actually a collaboration with some Canadian like airliner and they're just like That's giving so him the thing whenever he needs so it. So he doesn't actually own yeah, it. Yeah and he's even released a kind of hush hush press release where he's just like yeah it's good to support Canadian business. Oh, so genuinely all of a sad. Genuinely thought you were going to say he's just released a hush hush child. <laughs> Chaplin. Did you see? Did you see? The, can get the, the child across the border. Chaplin his life like it's fucking Grand Theft Auto Five. Did you see the, the inside of the plane though? It's like yeah, it's it not that impressive. It looks it's like, like it's it's very. Um, I mean, if you're going to go gaudy. all out and all, like have a plane, like you you would re- redesign it as this like incredible thing. But it just has like these normal leather like first class seats and like yeah, it looks like it would have been really kind of lavish about forty years exactly, ago when people yeah. were like, oh look at us, we're just yeah. you've been sticking your own logo on lots of things. I have I see that on the side of the plane, you know, like. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Nice decal. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Does Aer Lingus, would Aer Lingus give me a plane to fly to Galway? <laughs> Who are you asking? I'm, I'm asking Aer the Lingus, public. Uh, put it out there. Yeah, let's start a Twitter storm to get me to fly to Knock Airport. Guys, we were talking a few episodes ago about wanting hammocks. <laughs> and <laughs> still no sign of these demanding. hammocks for yeah, the yeah. studio, so... There's lots of things happening first things first. in our lives, Craig. For example, uh, Dave needs a suit for Cullen's wedding update. Oh, yeah. Oh. We're, it's going to happen, I think. We're I think the, I'm free the weekend after we next. We are down to the wire Man City and Liverpool stall here because <laughs> I have two free days. You have a full weekend, though. I mean... Two days. That's uh, plenty of time uh, to compile the ridiculous montage. Of, yeah. I'm not confident. Of finding a suit in two days. I'm not a great shopper. Man. We can do it. Can we grant? Yeah. Even, Dude. like, I mean, like, go to Top, Shop, Top Man or whatever, or, like... Because you don't have to get, like, the most amazingly, like, yeah. fucking best suit of your life, like, either. But what if I want... Especially with the way you're best, talking. Like, I think he wants the best suit of his life. Yeah. And I think he's ready for the best suit of his life. I just want the best day of my friend's life. <laughs> nice, nice. You're that getting into it now. Beautiful. This is good, I'm proud of you. You're getting into it now. Again, you're not going. You can't. <laughs> What's going on with Britney Spears, Craig? Um, just a Britney Spears update, um, because we talked previously about how she'd stepped away from musical activity and out of uh, the spotlight, and fans had been worried about her and got into all kind of conspiracy theories about um, what was happening. Her longtime manager 
has now voiced concerns about her mental health. Um, and the quotes here have kind of gone around the world. Um, he's saying that she might possibly never um, do live shows again. She definitely should not return to perform at uh, her planned Las Vegas re- residency anyway. Um, so yeah, those things uh, not to cut you off, but those things freak me out. No matter, I know no that can't level, be good for anyone. Yeah, no matter what level of, of artist you are, how much money you're making, like that's prison. Yeah, yeah. Today, now he actually released like a kind of a statement, kind of going that as classic TMZ, they kind of misquoted him because they called him up and asked when she would be playing, and he said, "Well, you know, she'll contact me when she wants to. It's I kind don't have of anything a, to do yeah, with watch this space. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just, yeah. And she's like, she she might do the Vegas thing, she might not. And then of course TMZ put in this headline where it's just like Britney Spears might never play yeah. again. Yeah, um, it's kind of really up in the air. But yeah. um, she seems to be going from, through a tough time. And definitely, as you say, the Vegas residency, yeah, maybe maybe cancel that. I don't know. Yeah, That's modern journalism for you, Dahi. Now, speaking of, <laughs> I'm working on the night of the Eurovision, which is this weekend. Oh, wow. And I, Commenting I mean, on it. Uh, well, people, people have been wondering like how I feel about this. And I must say, I'll never stop playing music to suit someone's political agenda, nor will I stop speaking out against violations of human rights wherever <laughs> in the world they may be. Hang on, that's not my statement. That's Madonna's. Who, uh, Queen is, Madge herself, yeah. Yeah, Ma- Madame X is back. <laughs> yeah, Madame X has just arrived. Um, Madame X has nothing to do with Madonna. She's a totally new creation. Sorry. Um, yeah, Madonna's been talking about the proposed um, two songs that she's due to perform, I guess, the halftime of Eurovision this weekend. Um, and she said, yeah, the the previous statement, um, she's continued on with my heart breaks every time I hear about the innocent lives that are lost in this re- region. She talks about the violence that is often perpetuated to suit the political goals of people who benefit from this ancient conflict. And she basically says thoughts and prayers. But yeah, she doesn't I'm say nothing. All in. I'm still yeah. playing. Yeah. I'm still yeah. playing. And the fact she's making a statement means that it's very much on. Uh, it was kind of up in the air. It seemed like contracts hadn't been signed. And yeah. I was kind of thinking, was she waiting to test the waters and see what the public reaction? was like but it, this kind of would suggest that she's getting out there and actually yeah going I mean for there's, there's also quite an interesting thing with that contract thing as well where I presume you know she might have wanted to make some sort of political statement while she was playing but she would have to sign a contract to say that like she can't do this or this or this or this so maybe she's holding off until she can actually figure out if she wants to do something but I, I don't know if that's true or not yeah um, I, I presume RTE are doing their usual coverage yeah and they are um, Marty Whelan like crazy it's, Marty Whelan is cancelled <laughs> uh, we're not doing any coverage on Joe so I was going to ask because, no, yeah, I mean, unless something a... of like of genuinely newsworthy note occurs yeah. well then that's a straight back news story but we're not live tweeting it. The Lighthouse usually airs it every year and they're also not airing anything. There's lots of alternative events happening around the city. There is, yeah. Around Christy the country. Moore is playing as well somewhere. And there's like Christy Moore is playing in the Vicar Street with I mean, a whole pile of other people. Have we not suffered enough? Not <laughs> <laughs> For the fucking Eurovision crowd, you know? Sorry, the Eurovision crowd who... <laughs> they want Christy Moore as yeah. the backup. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm not... I can't fathom <laughs> I can't sanction this buffoonery um, many many uh, events happening uh, lots of which are doing fundraisers as well so people have actually really kind of co-opted this and done yeah. some good stuff out of it um, it is interesting to kind of see people just be like you know if you watch the Eurovision you're supporting terrorism I mean like, there's always an extreme edge to this kind of thing yeah. I mean for me like you know uh, it's just a healthy reminder that the Eurovision is and has always been complete shit <laughs> oh yeah I mean well except for when Apple were on us maybe no and obviously Johnny Logan. I was just trying <laughs> to be Abba are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was trying to be trying to be facetious. Crazy, the know. big the big takeaway is that Abba are good. I think. Yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, are, are Abba are probably the best thing to come out of the Eurovision. Yeah, sure. What about Lordy? Lordy possibly as well. Um, what about the time when Ireland kept winning? Yeah, that was pretty good. In the 90s. And it got to the stage. <laughs> uh, Father Ted's My Lovely Horse would also not exist without the Eurovision, I presume. Very true. Probably true, yeah. 
I mean, to be fair, some people like absolutely live for the Eurovision, and it is a very unifying event, and that's why this year in particular, when it's the opposite of that, is it's genuinely extreme. Um, I will be doing my best to not acknowledge it whatsoever. Okay. Beyond yeah. this news story, <laughs> uh, you mentioned holding out earlier. <laughs> Speaking of holding. Jenny Lewis is holding. She's announced the collaboration <laughs> with California cannabis cultivators, Glasshouse Farms. Her new strain called The Rabbit Hole, which is really good branding because it's a song off her March record on the line. Um, it says in the press release that it's a light sour diesel sativa, 16.3% THC content. Sour diesel doesn't sound that appetizing to me, yeah. but I don't know. I, I, like I, I wish I knew enough about weed to be like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. sour sure diesel, yeah. right? So she Innocent went that way. Toy. She went that way. That's interesting, you know. Sarah Diesel was also the name of the lead single <laughs> off that Zane album that nobody paid attention to that came out at the end of the year. Oh, it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that must just be the a plot general. <laughs> yeah, we definitely talked about how that was a reference to weed at the time. He was being edgy. Yeah. Again, uh, this world doesn't really. I don't really know much about it. Like, That's a big money maker. Love a good joint if there's one going, but I couldn't tell you much about them. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like a smart business move. Um, I mean, the culture is crazy now. With yeah, the, there's so the many. Like I've definitely legal. wasted an entire page of the running order just <laughs> listing musicians that are involved. But it's yeah. all the usual. Do, uh, usual I played, suspects. I played I played Wiz Khalifa's um, weed game oh, yeah. uh, when it came out. It was like a very well reviewed <laughs> yeah, game. He's got an app. He's got an app, like a video game app, where it's like a tapper, like uh, kind of a bit like kind of Farmville kind of thing, where you're you growing crops, your but you're growing different strains of different weed and stuff. But it's a, like underneath the hood, it's actually supposed to be a really really good game. I only played about an hour of it and dropped off, but like apparently it's very very good. The second best thing to come out of that was his Khalifa Kush. Do you remember when him and Kanye were going at it on Twitter years ago? <laughs> and uh, Khalifa was just like, calm down, man. And just like referenced KK as in like smoke some KK, Khalifa Kush. And Kanye just thought he meant Kim Kardashian and went absolutely <laughs> Crazy! It was fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I quote from Doggy there. I just I played... am your OG, and I will be respected as such. <laughs> <laughs> I just played an error about, about an error and then dropped off the weed game. Did yeah, you? Yeah? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a uh, oh. couple of uh, while we're in such a good mood, a couple of high profile deaths to uh, end oh the news section. Jesus. Yeah, well, Doris Day has passed away, and I'm really regretting that that rhymes. Um, she more, was 97. More like Doris Day of the Dead, am I right? Yeah, very much so. I, I can say that because she was 97. She had an yeah, incredibly had full really life. Health, okay? Yeah, long, No disrespect. She's um, a fucking legend. And yeah, the statement that came out um, read that she'd been in excellent physical health uh, for her age as well. Um, but obviously it's in this because she started off with a music career, which I'm not too up to speed with. Dave, do you want to give us a bit of a background? <laughs> <laughs> do you really think that I am a Dorothy expert? Uh, but no, you know, sad passing, a real kind of icon of Hollywood and just, yeah, um, another one from that generation. Icon of the small screen as well, Peggy Lipton. Yeah, um, a bit kind of close to home for us just as kind of massive Twin Peaks fans. Um, she passed away, 72 only, um, and Quincy Jones, her former husband, um, issued a lovely statement. They'd been separated, divorced for decades, but he said, there's absolutely no combination of words that can express the sadness I feel after losing my beloved Peggy Lipton. Regardless of the paths that our lives took us on, I can say with the utmost certainty that love is eternal. So that was quite nice. Mother um, of Rashida Jones, which a lot of people don't seem to know. Yeah, yes, people are surprised by that. She could have had a an L slot in the recent Twin Peaks, no? She would have fit right in, I don't know. Possibly. And of course, Rashida Jones... Everyone is, else was in it. ...is okay. the partner of Ezra Koenig. Yes. Who's in Vampire <gasps> Weekend. What? So, it's like, all the pieces fit, man. Still playing that 7 out of 10 album, by the way, man. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Are you still Almost playing? as if it's an 8 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> are you still playing that 3 out of 10 album? Okay. 
Fair I'm enough. Uh, can't get over only it. one way to close the news section this week. Attention, everyone. Shut up, Craig on Kanye. Congratulations. <laughs> Kanye and Kim Kardashian West have welcomed their first child, a baby boy, into the world. Um, we don't know as yet the name, uh, unless it's been announced and you guys know. Um, but so, no. I, I saw an article on CNN today where they were <laughs> trying to figure out from clues on Kim's timeline what it might be, and I just despaired. Surely there's a multi-hundred-kanye-to-the.com thread on this, Yeah, no? but I, I was too busy this week. I couldn't. And I'm also trying to wean myself off it because... I'm 30 years old. I remember that don't time. own property. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that time? Uh, because of coming to the game. Do you remember that time like some random guy on Twitter like with like very few followers just went, huh, watch Kanye West name his kid Saint or something, yeah? <laughs> and then it happened and that tweet went like fucking exploded. <laughs> like, yeah. like a year later. Yeah, I'm sure it will be a great name. Um, but there's lots of kind of Kanye news. Um, he is a Rick and Morty super fan and he's received the offer of a lifetime. Um, so the creators, Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland, have told the blast that they would love to have Kanye West come in and create his own episode of the hit show you are losing me yeah I've never really followed they Rick and have Morty I know they have a crazy the worst fan base. fans in the yeah. world yeah gross people are you I a like fan of Yeah, I think Rick and Morty's great. Okay. Any other Kanye West television news? Yeah, so he's going to be popping up on Dave Letterman's new, our second series of his Netflix show, which I've seen a clip of, and it looks like he was in good form and calm and collected. Did anybody watch the first season of that Letterman yeah, show? Yeah, I, I watched a I watched good... the Obama one. Yeah. I watched the Obama one, I watched the Howard Stern one, as a big Howard Stern fan, maybe the only one in Ireland. Um, <laughs> uh, I watched the Jay-Z one, and I can tell you now... 80% of the conversation with Kanye will just be like, so tell us about the kids. And then Dave talking about his own child, which is all he does. Oh, he's one of those, is It's he? one of those, yeah. Okay, great. Before we move on to Songs of the Week, an announcement. No Encore Live returns as part of the Galway International Arts Festival on Saturday, July 27th. That's the one. Two o'clock. Two o'clock in the Roaching Dove. In the Roaching Dove. Tickets are five euro. Details to come when we actually cobble a show together. <laughs> That's how it works. It'll be also, fun. I will also note that in a couple of weeks' time, or rather over the next couple of weeks, uh, there's some good stuff coming up. Um, Dahi is putting together a very special episode for the week that Craig and I are off to Norway. That's right, yeah. And the week after, we'll be welcoming a guest onto the show, and we'll also be featuring an interview that has been quite some time in the making. Yeah. For sure. So, uh, more details on those pretty soon. But yeah, exciting times. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. Best podcast in Dublin? Ireland? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The world? 32 counties. Europe. You can say 32 counties anyway. Yeah. Did you check out any French podcasts while you're over there for 24 hours? <laughs> I did not. Damn no. it, man. Missed opportunity. No, I didn't. Sorry. Could have done a link up. There, well, <laughs> a collab, bro. <laughs> yeah. A link up to a link about link ups. <laughs> it's songs of the week, guys. Dahi, why don't you start us off with a pop smackdown? Uh, this week I brought in Charlie XCX and Lizzo's new track, Blame It On Your Love. Just roll it. 
So yes, yeah, so it's the uh, the the big collab bro that we've been uh, looking forward to for the last week. They've been plugging it pretty hard, especially Charlie XCX. Um, she had built up this huge amount of hype about this thing. I mean, it's it is a pretty big news story because it's Lizzo and Charlie XCX together, two of the, like really really big stars. But when we got down to it, it was premiered on Animac uh, last night uh, as the kind of the hottest record in the world thing with BBC Radio One. And it turns out it's like a remix yeah. of a track from Pop 2. Yeah. So her album Pop 2 was just like this amazing, like mad PC music thing. It, it closes out with this track called um, Track 10. Um, and essentially this entire track is the same vocal melody just done under a much more pop friendly sheen with a Lizzo verse at the at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the interview on Annie Mac, it's really interesting because she's just like, yeah, I've been, I've been sitting on this track for about three years and, uh, you know, it wasn't really perfect until Lizzo, like, really did her thing on it. And I was just like, this, that is exactly what the track is. It's three years old and, like, the fact that Lizzo is on it now has, like, given it a bit of sheen. I think Lizzo's verse is actually quite good, but overall, it's I'll like stop a massively right there. It yeah. is terrible. I, Do you think? <laughs> Horrendous. Uh, also, sorry, they, they, they've been, like piling this up as like you know here to save pop music yeah. first of all didn't realise it needed saving second of all fuck right off because we like Charlie XCX in the show we thought Pop 2 was fucking incredible yeah. amazing stuff uh, yeah. it's, it's no surprise that it is in fact literally three years old because it sounds three years doesn't old doesn't it sound but three it sounds years old even more than that. Like, it sounds it three years older. old and also kind of like fucking uh, transmogrified into some kind of weird thing of like Let's also chase those trends because it's just it's got this horrific, like very American radio, just almost trap, like tropical trap, trap thing. Like, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Liz's verse is so salad taped on, and it's mercifully short. Like what? A also, ter- like a, really bad. An absolutely terrible move as well. Because then when I went on Twitter and you you get to see, like, I mean, again, I've said this before in the podcast that like Charlie's like uber like pop PC music fans are like these like really really dedicated fans yeah. and stuff and it's such a like an insult to them because like they were expecting something new and they immediately recognised it's it funny it's what it was, yeah. you know? sorry uh, it's funny because like the Pitchfork did a very uh, small write up on it and the writer put it out saying like oh look like I'm, I'm, I'm here it is it's just it's not great is it and then like she kind of tweeted under her own tweet and said anyway, I'm going to log off now before the stands come get me and then the first way that I saw anyway of stands, yeah, we're they just were, like, yep, you're right. Yeah, they're all like, no, 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 like you're good. They have messed up, <laughs> or like, no, th- this ain't it. You know, like, like it was just very much like you did your best. And it was like, wow, yeah, because this is a fucking dud. Yeah, like, I mean, the, you know, the re- I find this really kind of disheartening from Charlie XCX because part of the reason why we love her is because she subverts pop while also delivering, you know, all the great things about pop. And this is, yeah, it's track ten. In a different universe where it had been like put together by committee by the it's label, gone so safe, like yeah, yeah. and like Lizzo's part, like her performance is grand, but it feels really like a kind of business transaction of yeah. like particularly yeah. in terms of like the lyrics. I don't think she understands what Charlie XCX is talking about. It's, yeah, it's they a go totally against different her theme thing. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah without yeah. quite, without it quite matching up. The, the the thing that I like about Lizzo's verse is like uh, throughout the kind of the pieces, there's some really really nice flows that are actually way more interesting than what Charlie is doing throughout the whole thing. You're right about the theme stuff that she completely missed it. Yeah. And then there's a couple of phrases at the start and at the end that are just It so felt like dumb. she had like, a couple of clever lines. She's like, I'm just using these regardless. Yeah, she actually like, like references Juice is on the first line, I think. Yeah. And like, like, uh, it, and like, what's really interesting as well is that she was talking to Annie Mack and then they did the interview and she was talking also about this album that's coming up and she said that this is going to be on the album and she said that this is more pop leaning than what would be on the rest of the album apparently that album is going to be produced by A.G. Cook 
Now, this obviously hasn't been produced by A.J. Cook because I presume he's like he does. This isn't what he does. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's all up in a heap. And just this idea of her releasing an album and having this as the first single. There are cross really, purposes lyrically you know, and thematically as well in it, which is just bizarre. It's really badly cobbled together. It yeah. feels it's, like, oh, like, let's just get Lizzo in. And that Stargate production, like, yeah, that kind of tropical thing. It's what they were doing like 10 years ago, like the Rihanna yeah. stuff. It's just so stale. The whole um, thing just feels very rushed, basically, like to get in on the Lizzo. Thing. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, you know, like you know, Charity XEX has you know been. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah, you go first. No, no, go on, go no, on. No, 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 please, please, go on. I was just gonna say, Charity XEX has been kind of looking for a crossover moment, I guess, and we've kind of despaired at how she hasn't quite had it. I, I know she has for other people, but yeah. this right. isn't it, though. This seems a bit desperate, lads. Go on, <laughs> show them how it's done. <laughs> Oh, what are Ed Sheeran and totally Justin Bieber away. <laughs> Totally worth the wait. Well done, well That's delivered. That's right, it's Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber with I Don't Care. The lads. And the I don't s- care. The sound of newlywed marital bliss for both men. They're happy. <laughs> They've got a horrific uh, turn down for what style <laughs> drum thing going on, and then a flatline of a general kind of uh, verse chorus verse situation here going on. They're just happy lads, they're having a good time. <laughs> the most sound da- of the summer. The most damning thing I can say about the Charlie XEX track is that when it would then move into this track, it was so seamless that I was just like, <laughs> "Oh no, Charlie, don't!" This is just so predictable how are people inevitable not <laughs> writing style like i mean he's found he found the thing that was successful and then just has not changed for five years i would say but you know what he's he's, he's now he's a genius like he's an evil genius because this is like some like cold fusion pop because this is shape of you in terms of like the pop aesthetic and it's also like the sentimentality of like a mansion on the hill so it's like the number one and the number two song at the same time combined in one song <laughs> with Justin Bieber. Uh, excuse me, it's Castle on the Hill? Are you sorry, what did I say? Mansion, Mansion on the Hill. Oh, the, the National. Did man, it the, man, the man lives in a castle. On <laughs> castle a on the Hill. Oh, it's just... First of all, they have no chemistry whatsoever Disagree. musically they had chemistry on love yourself which was a tremendous justin bieber song from his from purpose well that is like yeah, that's, that's him like, yeah that no, was Ed Sheeran him. wrote it like i mean yeah like, yeah but, the, but no i mean vocally chemistry. they're not you, you on the same track uh, like. i think there's chemistry in, in as much as i first of all i completely agree with what you're saying about ed Sheeran. Right. I, I think he is a uh, toxic waste <laughs> but uh I just like, if you look, okay if you look at track like love yourself right which uh has that exceptional i think i referenced it before but like I keep coming back to it. It's one of the most, and it's one of the most, because Ed Sheeran to me is like uh, the, the most hiding in plain sight of <laughs> like toxic masculinity in pop. And on that track, hiding in plain sight. On that to track, catch a pop star. Like, <laughs> 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 you can't really fucking miss him, can you? So basically, it's like. Uh, <laughs> There's the line when uh, when Justin Bieber's like, you know, you know my mama don't like you and she likes everyone. Yeah, which is clever without the context of all the other dodgy lines he yeah, has where no, he's it's, putting it, people down. <laughs> no, it's, it's both a brilliant and alarming line. 
<laughs> because you're because you're like evil fuck. genius. Because you're just like that is like that's so cutting. Yeah, it, like you like how you could not come back from that, <laughs> and it's so short and to the point. It's like it's like and to get Justin Bieber to say it. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. My Mad mother Men. would love Justin Bieber. It's like that Mad Men thing that you always reference, where what do I always reference? someone's like, uh, like I think. You're blah 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 blah, and then Don, Don Draper's like, I don't think of you at all. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah which is it's just like incredible. It, it, it's checkmate, and yeah. I was just like, fuck, this track has none of that. Um, it's incredibly uh, like mass friendly, conveyor belt put together. It's a fucking petrol station sandwich, uh, and people will love it, man. It'll be in offices around the country on Ireland's yeah, top well, fifty for the next six months. It's like structured and written so exactly like an Ed Sheeran song that I like. I just can't believe it. Like, he's obviously made. Millions of this stuff now. Yeah. How, How do you not just, even just as a as a person, get bored of doing this? How do you go like, okay, well, I've done this now. I figured this out. Why don't I try something different? Well, or, like, like I was reading that the other track that Bieber used of Ed's, which you know that hit with Major Lazer, called Water. Yeah, yeah. And like the famous quote from Ed Sheeran is that like he was told it was a number one hit. I was like, congratulations, Ed. He's like, oh, I did. I don't even remember writing that. Really, is that my song? <laughs> like he's got this whole like quote of just being like, and the guys were saying, can we use this? I was like, what did I write? Yeah. That? Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. I really? The same with the Westlife song that he wrote specifically yeah, for so Westlife. Yeah, so he's just and dashing these off. I'd say this took five minutes. How Trash. do you feel about the owl-based kind of uh, <laughs> motif? The what? I can't do it. It's like... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that. You can do it, sir. <laughs> you, you can do it, man. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> do it again. Nope. <laughs> what did you think of it? I, I can't remember. what. what the, how did it go again? Craig, do you have a song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. We need a link. We need a gold link. Oh no. This is gold link. <laughs> Zulu screams. Yeah, so that's the comeback track from Goldlink, who's 25-year-old rapper from the Washington, D.C., Virginia area. Um, he's kind of got the weight of his region on his shoulders a bit. Uh, he's been marked out for the last three or four years as someone that could really make that area, just like put them on the map in terms of rap. Um, he's been mentored by the likes of Rick Rubin. Um, he's kind of been big on the streets, like he's just seen as like a legit artist. Um, and he kind of started off veering away from trap bangers and stuff mm. and just bringing in more of a EDM, deep house sensibility to stuff and doing this like future bounce um, music, which was very British influenced, um, coupled with like his kind of really incisive flow. Like I always drew comparisons with the likes of Vince Staples, like yeah, what they're yeah. doing, just really forward thinking stuff. Um, his album a couple of years ago, uh, At What Cost, was uh, I think it was his kind of proper debut uh, it hit kind of yeah. Was it well received? I can't even. It was well received, um, but the track off a of crew kind of I think I think it won a Grammy or was nominated for a Grammy, and that was just like the big crossover hit. So I think this next one coming, uh, which this is leading up to, is seen as like the chance for his big crossover. Um, and I think this is like summer jam, sound mm. of summer all over it. It's taken from high life. Um, actually bring in some of those African musicians. I think that kind of Afrobeat guitar which sped up thing is just 
ridiculously good yeah. and his flow is fantastic yeah just I instantly like this I think it's great I really really enjoyed it but that's all I'm going to say because I want to get to the album because we're running out of time Dahi <laughs> We're running out of time. <laughs> I'm running out of time. Uh, the I album, feel really sick today. <laughs> the album we have this week is I Am Easy no, to no, Find. No, 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 no. You can give your minute on the track. I, oh. <laughs> Sorry, just, you got me on. No, I, 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 that, that's me and now to you. I also really, really like the track. That guitar piece was immediate. Like, kind of, you pay attention to the speaker as soon as it happens. So I, I really, really like it. There's, so there's more coming out, is there? Yeah, yeah. I think he was on He was on Zane Lowe's uh, Beats One radio show, um, which was bizarre because he's like, he's at home with like a blanket over him and he looks kind of cool but Zane Lowe's <laughs> in some weird studio where he's got like a blue screen green screen thing behind him and he's like being Zane Lowe in a really animated way where it looks like he's waiting to be dropped into a meme like he's <laughs> reacting to something it was very disconcerting but he said yeah he nearly has the album done do you reckon okay. Zane Lowe's autobiography will be called being Zane Lowe <laughs> The highs and Zane lows. Our album this week <laughs> comes from The National. They're back just a year and a half after their previous record, Sleep Well Beast. The name of this one is I Am Easy to Find. This track is called Ryland. All the little kids are high and hazy. Everybody got nowhere to go. Everybody wants to be amazing. Ryland, California's rotten. Dress light blue, the bee forgotten Eat your pearls on Sunday morning Keep the conversations born Stay with me among the strangers Change your mind and nothing changes Don't let show any emotion It's a live cut from a KEXP session from some time ago, actually. The National uh, have put this into a... Big compendium, really. This is their longest album at 65 minutes, 16 tracks. That one comes quite late in the day. Uh, and fans kind of knew about it. They knew they were going to be on this record some time ago. Like it, it's, it was a strange one that they probably didn't make the record because this one in lots of ways feels quite similar to Sleep Well Beast in as much as it incorporates similar elements a la the electronica elements, the kind of spoken wordy kind of sample stuff and a dearth of female vocalists in particular in which Matt Berninger takes more of a backseat on this one while also retaining his signature national panache. Craig, once again, I feel like everyone knows who the national is. Ireland has a love affair with them. Sum them up in one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The last remaining American indie bands that kind of count in a major way. Okay, I will give you a follow-up question allowing you to put out further sentences. Why do you believe that? That's quite the statement. Um, You can look to, like, I mean independent in a kind of true sense, but I feel like they actually make a mark um, their trajectory from the point they kind of crossed over and like they're quite a traditional American band in lots of ways in terms of the storytelling they're doing and the influences of like Replacements, R.E.M., uh, Guided by Voices, stuff like that, but also bringing in post-punk stuff. But when they kind of struck big, it was at a time around 2006, 2007 when the tide was turning, guitars were falling out of favour in the US and alongside maybe Vampire Weekend. They're the only two bands I can think of from that side of the Atlantic where their trajectory has been like in the ascendancy and they've kind of solidified their positions. Mm. Like they won a Grammy for their last record. Um, they're not quite household names, but as good as you're going to get for alt rock yeah. now, I guess. They kind of, they kind of come aside the, you know, the heavier rock. Yeah. Um, they always kind of come across as like a kind of a, like almost like the equivalent of an, of a modern art band, right? Because I mean, yeah. they, they introduce so much kind of art in, into the stuff, the actual 
performers themselves are just they come across as this super super artistic totally. kind of thing and they're incredible musicians and like it seems as if every single artist under the sun would want to work with them because it's such a a massive thing and one of the big takeaways from this album is that there's just so many people involved in this album it's absolutely crazy yeah. the, like when we when we got this there was like a press release with it that gave the credits of everybody and there's like a parisian orchestra there's a new york Dave, orchestra did you meet them at all? there's <laughs> No? Again, there's no time. We got them all. I think they're in the other section of the stadium. That I didn't. They're at the buffet. Yeah, last there. There's this whole slew of, of female vocalists as well, mm. including Lisa Hannigan, who actually does quite, does quite well on this album. I think my biggest issue with this is that I really, really enjoy the National, but the thing I really love about them is the more. Uh, stripped back moments. So, like my favorite National song would be "Sorrow," and it's basically you know an interesting drum beat, a couple of textures one melody maybe mm. and then vocals and like you're able to k- hear everything super clearly my major takeaway from this is that there's just so much on this record to the point that it's distracting in certain tracks like the drums are just like so so intense while there's so much other melodies going on at the same time it's just really really hard to keep up with and it kind of takes away from the overall um album i think it sounds like you had the experience with this one that i had with the vampire weekend record and that you were overwhelmed by it yeah, I mean, I think so. Like, I don't know. It just, it, there's, there's just too much to take in continuously. Yeah, and that's you know. exactly how I felt about Father of the Bride. Yeah. However, the strange thing about that is, I think they are comparable records in as much as they're both quite long and they represent the bands at a very specific point of their careers and also lives as they get older as men. But in, in the way that Father of the Bride did not work for me, this did. I found myself oh, really, yeah. very easy. Yeah, I sank into this really, really easily. Um, it's it's kind of one paced in a way, but that pace is the national. <laughs> like, yeah. Because look, they're not going to do a Mr. November anymore. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I, I didn't feel it was to, one paced, really. No, I mean, like, I, I, that sounds like I'm damning them with, like, with some kind of uh, slam or even faint praise. What I mean by that is like they have a very specific signature aesthetic now. And on the last two records in particular, they've kind of settled into it and they've kind of found a groove. I'm sure they mm. could do a Mr. November or like a Terrible Love alternate version if they wanted to, but they seem to be more interested now in exploring space and exploring these kind of pockets of space and doing so by, as Dahi kind of like basically says, they're building a world around them. And, and on this one, it's more explicit than it was in Sleepwell Beast. In Sleepwell Beast, they started to bring in that kind of electronica stuff. I think it was the first time they ever did anything where they would play like a sample. Yeah, yeah. And, it, wor- and it worked. Yeah, and they use those electronic sections to build these kind of like textures around stuff, which in a lot of this, these places, it kind of works quite well. But then you'll get tracks where there's these like beautiful like chord structures and these lovely textures done with the electronic stuff that really brings it up to something unique. Incredible vocalists over the top and incredible poetry in the thing as well but then as the track will go on there'll just be more and more ideas just stacked and stacked and stacked and then suddenly I'm I'm listening to a track where I'm kind of like there's just all of this stuff sounds great but there's just it's all too much like all at the same time that's really interesting yeah because my experience was there is a lot going on this is very it's long it's weighty but I thought the weight lent it a kind of vitality and I was like okay I'm like I can really get into this and devour it and kind of keep going back to it I think when you talk about the favourite things about the Mm. National like a song like Sorrow the Strip Back thing like I went through personally a period with the National where I thought they were in the doldrums a bit. Maybe I was just exhausted from seeing them so many times live. Yeah, yeah. But I thought they ran into a problem of 
delivering those songs a little too much. Like they'd set out such a distinctive stall because they're a great band. They've got mm-hmm. a kind of very distinctive character. Um, they were nearly in a position where like standards were maintained, but there was little in the way of surprise um, around the time of like Trouble Will Find Me 2014. And Matt Berninger has talked um, recently about how actually the band kind of broke up around that period, but no one noticed. But it was almost yeah. a kind of minor, like typically national minor crisis in the band. Um, where it just felt like they could have gone, they could have been very stale, they could have been one of those bands where they'll tour and get great crowds and every album you might get one or two songs that kind of are added to your favourites, but they're really not thrilling anymore. And I thought with the last album and this, um, they've settled into a sound, but like it's a new sound. Like it's, it's, as you say, exploring space, kind of resting on those textures. It's not so much about this classical songwriting. Um, I feel like they're really kind of re-energized with Seep Well Beast. Um, I thought it'd be another good few years before they came back again. I thought it was just like, okay, we figured out we can actually progress in a new direction. We can yeah. just let it lie. But they, they've really kind of taken the bull by the horns. And I think, you know, you talk about the list of collaborators on this. I think the most important thing is the director, Mike Mills. Because yeah. this comes paired with a, a much shorter film. Um, that he put together and he kind of like approached the band and said do you have any songs Uh, I'd really love to kind of build something around it Um, they kind of reciprocated by saying how about you produce the record Um, and I think he does a great job because it hangs together kind of quite beautifully it's more about moments than specific songs and I think they've a real kind of there's a purpose to the writing coupled Mm. with introducing the kind of female voices it becomes cinematic is such an annoying word but I, I think like I'm kind of wishing more bands would now get a film director in to produce your record. Do it's like the old yeah. Brian Eno thing of like Brian Eno's like I don't play any mu- like instruments because that'll ruin my perception of blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I th- I think he's like, I mean Matt talked about feeling freer because they weren't making decisions anymore um, and they could just get on with their stuff. And I think yeah, Matt, Matt, Mike Mills has done a terrific job on this. It's like I think. I- I think I think the the approach is like a really really good approach, like mm. that idea where you know you're coming at it from a completely different understanding of of the art itself and what you're trying to picture. But really, when I kind of get down to it and I actually think about that point that like he was putting it together, it almost there was a point where there was so much stuff going on that it was like there's somebody here who hasn't actually told anybody that they can't do anything. So there's all these like incredible musicians, all these incredible people who are working on the record and they'll go, well, why don't I do this? And somebody just went like, yeah, that sounds great. That's amazing. And then like somebody else goes, well, how about I do this on this? And then he's like, yeah, cool. Throw it down. Like everything. Again, like there's just like a busyness that like is just super, super strong. I think my favorite track on it is I Am Easy to Find and like, yeah, that's probably because it's the most stripped back or one of the most stripped back tracks on it. It's a beautiful song, yeah. Beautiful song. Like, and yeah. The play as well with the vocalist is magnificent. Yeah, and I I just kind of feel, I mean. The were really, really good. Now, I I, I will have to say, I mean, we've had a week to listen to it and maybe it's this thing where it's like, you know, you kind of have to sit with it for even longer than that and, you know, you have to be kind of having it on at all times and kind of to really, really sink into it. Um, But for me, like as a kind of a first off thing, I was kind of, it was just, it just felt like there was, I couldn't appreciate all the stuff in it because it was just too much being thrown at me at the same time, you know. I find because like that, even but even like the last thing you said there is true of all music now. Just the the amount of stuff that's out there, and then mm. having to commit to a turnaround of even a week in a lot of cases of like taking in an entire album that can take a long time to make and has a lot of themes on it, and a lot of stuff goes into it. So yeah, you're totally right with regards to in six months' time, this could open up for you in a, in a different mm-hmm. way. But, yeah. but unfortunately, the reviews go down fast. Yeah. At the same time, I've learned. 
um particularly from doing the podcast like i mean like in terms of consuming music i've learned that like i get more of a physical reaction to music now than i ever did and with albums in particular and it there is a sense of when i throw an album on for the first time there's like a glamour that 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 will lift at a certain point Uh, at the start of the year it happened with maggie rogers album i remember like the first few listens of that i was thinking this is going to be one of the contenders for album of the year like Mm. isn't it yeah i remember that yeah and then when you switch into critical review mode as you were kind of saying in the father of the bride review grade that when you like initially put down your relationship with vampire weekend to actually uh like sit down as if it was like some kind of exam which kind of sounds boring and shit but that's not because that's just the way i think yeah you're trying to remove yourself from your fandom or whatever yeah Yeah, which can be really fucking hard to do um and i think you know with this album like i did get that initial kind of sense of yeah actually there's a pleasantness here like because I, I even joked about it i was like it's 16 drags long lads um and you were just like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> but I, I from the from the opening kind of bells of this i guess i was like yeah like i think I'm gonna, i think we're gonna be okay here and then the more i listened to it in a different context like going to bed um waiting in a fucking airport for six hours uh, at work today on the way over to the podcast yeah. i i kept coming back to it with, with, with an agreeable sense of i want to hang out with this record Whereas, I know I keep comparing to Father Boy, but I do think there are a lot of touchstones here that are very similar. Even what you were just saying there about how, let's just throw it all in, and yeah. no one's here to edit it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like that to me. I like, think you pretty much said the exact same thing. Pretty much, yeah. Ago. And like, don't get me wrong, like, you love that album. Mm-hmm. I was talking to, like, like again, I've wow. mentioned, well, you like it a lot. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I've talked to people who, who think it's great, I've talked to people who think it's not great, and uh, I don't know, with this, I just I just felt more comfortable, I think. I, I think I just felt like I understood this better, and that, it, and that it understood me better. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I don't think, I mean, I think, I think there is a lacking here in as much as I do find it hard to pull as you were saying, kind of like songs like okay. over the moments. But those songs and those moments that do stand out are fantastic. The title track's amazing. Yeah, um, it really is. It, it reminded yeah. me of um, Radiohead's videotape a little, where it's kind of this thing of like looking at memories almost unraveling and just how different things come into play with that. But the difference with this is there's something at the center of it that's kind of permanent, which is really nice. Like it's an it's like a weird uplifting counterpoint to a lot of what Radiohead do, even Sonic. Yeah, there's a track yeah, on here yeah. as well called uh, "Where Where Is Her Head," and like that's kind of like as rocky as it gets for the national, yeah. but it does it well. Like I mean, it kind of it's a very few expectations while also kind of keeping you happy from like kind of a popcorn point of view. Uh, the aforementioned Ryland, which we heard, I think is a beautiful little song. Um, yeah, I will say about Ryland when that arrived, and it's been such a long-awaited kind of fan favorite, and it is slightly more traditional. For me, it was like, I really, I do actually like Ryland, but it wasn't working as much as some of the other moments. And I think that was in the context of what they were doing that was so fresh. It was like, oh yeah, they couldn't just done, they couldn't, couldn't have done like an album full of Rylands. That would have been grand, but it wouldn't have interested me whatsoever. Yeah, it's kind of a safety net song for the National. Yeah. I think at the point it arrives, like, it were, yeah, it works 14 well. 14 tracks, like, like, two to go. The last track, Light Years, I think is a really nice closer. I think if it's the last song Matt Berenger ever wrote, he'd be like, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, there's plenty here. I mean, like, it's a strange one. It does wash over you. I can totally understand the experience that you had with the Dahi, but yeah. uh, for me, like, definitely like a strong kind of 7.5 on this uh, one. Can I ask, what did you think of Not in Kansas? Just because it's such a Sorry, long track. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a, yeah, it's a bit of a left field one, even for yeah, the National. Yeah, I meant to mention that, actually, yeah. Yeah. Because that's a yeah, that's a great pull. Because not in Kansas is like that's kind of a Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Matt Berninger song, isn't it? And it's the kind of song that I think some the people because like a, a criticism that the National often get is that they're boring, quote unquote. Some people just find them boring, and I think people who don't like the National will would seize upon that song, and I think they'd be almost right to do so. I think that song 
exists entirely on you having a relationship with Matt Berninger, with the National, and actually being That's willing fair. to spend time in his kind of whiskey-soaked company as he's just gazing out over a fucking prairie for six and a half minutes. There were times when I was like... <laughs> and listening to R.E.M. And referencing the Strokes and the Godfather. Oh, yeah, and, I love that line, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think for that one... That was maybe it's because I played Red Dead Redemption two lately. Uh, it felt a bit like it felt a bit like Arthur Morgan's journal in that it was unvarnished. You know, it was unvarnished and it was a bit shit. But it you was, really had to. But he you, you had it to have a lot, you're right. Like you really had to have a lot of trust in him. You were just kind of like, fuck. Yeah, if somebody else a, did this, it's like a purposeful kind of ramble. Like yeah. Yeah, it's an enjoyable, and think, again, an enjoyable jumble. Yeah. <laughs> One of the points as well where the, the female vocal comes in towards the end and that Which is, is great. Right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. I also mentioned that. Sure about that as we well, should mention some of the other collaborators. You've got Sharon Van Etten on here. You've got uh, Gail and, and Dorsey, Dorsey, who yeah. is fantastic. What a remarkable yeah. voice. Yeah. 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 She's on You Had Your Soul With You and she's like, the Pitchfork review pretty much centers around that this gives a national life because Matt Berenger basically kind of made this a, a bit of a group session. I think the review kind of overegs the pudding on it. I don't know if he's that much of a background player on this one. Well, but I, there is an yeah. element of sharing and trust that I, comes I across. I thought actually it was cleverly done in terms of, like he's talked before about how he writes a lot of his songs with his partner, Karen. Mm. And I think because he's got such a defined, like the hang, hang dog look, blah, 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 and the kind of low voice thing, he can come across a bit boring. But I think using other voices to kind of act as the characters he writes about anyway kind of put it in stark relief of the subtlety that he was already doing I think yeah yeah, Lisa it's, Hannigan is also there. As a yeah, and she's great on it, and she's yeah. she's previously worked with them as well. So there's obviously mm-hmm. a great deal of trust. Yeah, like this is an album of kind of fucking friends just aging together, isn't it? I mean, like yeah. someone told me, was it you? It's Some, like this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it you? Uh, someone told me that they saw the national. Actually, maybe it was my friend Adam. Someone told me that they they saw the national play in a vineyard. No, that wasn't me. And I was like, that was the most national thing yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're, were probably just at the vineyard and were like, yeah, we'll do a few songs. <laughs> yeah, they're that kind of band. 7.5, I really liked it. Yeah, I'll give it an 8.5 because if I get fouls, 8.5, I has to. I'm going to give it a 7. Oh. That's okay. Yeah. I think it's okay. Not a tree it's still, because... It's still a, <laughs> it's still a national album and like I guess I'm, like, I'm comparing it to other national yeah, albums, right? Yeah, like that's, that's the thing. You can't really compare it to anything else, but like, yeah. This episode of No Encore was engineered by Sonic architect Eve Murray. Dahi won't be here next week. Mm. The week after that, we won't be here. <sighs> getting emotional. But luckily, I've got the new Slipknot song to uh, <laughs> pull me out of this emotion. So yeah, drop today. It's called Unsainted. Good title. Very nice. uh, I like the title. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Um, there was definitely some concern when this kind of popped up. Because first of all, they've announced their album, uh, which is coming out the 9th of August. And it's called We Are Not Your Kind which references a lyric from All Out Life, a single oh, they yeah. brought out last year. I remember that. Which was a song that, again, took me a couple of days or whatever, but at the same time, uh, I think that's a fantastic Slipknot song, and it's not on the album, which I found strange. No I don't think they've ever released a standalone single before and they're not followed up in it, they so that's kind of odd it, to me. Right. Yeah, um, so that album's coming out. Some of the track titles are hilarious, as they often are on <laughs> Slipknot Records. Um, you've got Insert Coin. <laughs> Is that going to start with an 8-bit sample? I fucking hope so. Yeah, death to. because of death. <laughs> <laughs> Critical darling. <laughs> my pain. Oh, no. They lost me at my There's pain. There's lots more. Uh, this one, though, Unsainted. Yeah, it's weird because it starts off and you're kind of in like, mm, is this Slipknot territory? Is this Stone Sour? Is it Imagine Dragons? I don't quite know. But I have listened to it. I would say conservative estimate. I arrived at the day of recording at approximately one and two in the afternoon. I'm pretty sure I've listened to it about 55 times since uh, it <laughs> dropped. 
And I'm, I like it. Yeah, I think it's good. I think okay, it's really good. good. I yeah, adore. I'll check it out. They've got some horrendous new masks. Uh, Corey Terror looks like Assassin's Creed Joker edition. Oh, wow. And I'm not into it at all. One of them looks like Emperor fucking Palpatine. <laughs> like, there's only so many <laughs> horrific masks, and you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. shouts to like Mick and Jim from the band who've kept the same ones for about two decades. What is your favorite ever Slipknot mask? Uh, I mean, he, okay, the original Corey Taylor with the dreads is, is fantastic. Yeah, that iconic. is pretty good. It's yeah, iconic. Yeah, yeah. Baby. Hanging, hanging on the, the uh, duality fucking uh, microphone stand. Yeah, yeah. Down. There's an amazing Shit's shot cool. of him as well, kind of like putting his fingers in the air. It's black and white, all washed out. It's cool. However, I do love his mask on the fourth record, All Hope is Gone, which where he basically Remind kind of me. hollowed out this kind of weird kind of just look like someone left a mask out in the sun for about three weeks. Oh, cool. Uh, Clan's always been great as well. You know, yeah, yeah. Good for him. And uh, I think Jim Root's kind of like, you know, court jester thing with a zip on it is pretty good as well nice. but the weird thing is like the photograph that they put out there's nine of them in the photograph one of them recently left I don't know who the fuck that guy is <laughs> you can't tell just some chancer that was like oh there's a photo going on <laughs> and I will say uh, Jay Weinberg uh, who is Max Weinberg the drummer Bruce Springsteen's yeah. son who replaced Joey Jordison on drums a few years ago continues to be a fucking beast so fair play to him Slipknot are back baby it's the summer of the knot <laughs> I've been listening to Jarvis Cocker. Uh, he's back, back, back. It's the summer of the Jarv. <laughs> um, I'm really disappointed that his new band is called Jarv Is. It's just a terrible pun that should be beneath him. Um, but the new song is really good. It's like a six or seven minute um, odyssey called Must We Evolve. That's like the history of humanity. It's like a Krautrock odyssey with lots of Jarvis Cocker jokes in it. Um, it's grey crack whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Great. I uh, managed to finally get around to the Kevin Abstract record, Arizona ah. Baby. Uh, highly recommend it to anybody if you want to hear a really, really good rap album this year. It's really good, There's right? Re- great. It's much more popular than I thought it would yeah. be. There's like a really proper pop hooks and parts, uh, some points where it sounds almost like an Andre 2000 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Really, really good. Really interesting production. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Okay. That's the show, everyone. Uh, it'll be some time before we're together again. Oh, oh my God. We should enjoy these last few seconds. <laughs> And we'll enjoy it in the company of former guest of the show, Saint Sister, who are our exit music this week. They've dropped a brand new single. It's called Is It Too Early? Open brackets, Kilmainham, close brackets, uh, which came out during the week. And they have a bunch of tour dates announced. They're playing the Pepper Canister Church in Dublin for two nights on the 27th and 28th of September. They're also performing in Cork, Kilkenny, Belfast, Derry, London, and my native Drada, which isn't the safest place in the world right now. No. So, you <laughs> know, pretty intense. just be safe. Uh, this is a song about social anxieties and homesickness. They kind of wrote it together while they're on the road, experiencing some difficulties, and found that they've found comfort in themselves. Uh, they obviously have a very, very strong bond. And uh, it's as you might expect of Saint Sister, it is typically beautiful and very well realized. And we are huge fans. So, mm-hmm. my name is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Uh, I'll be back together pretty soon I hope yeah
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.